I, I think this opener is following up on one Chelsea did not that long ago. We're recording a buffer right now, so it's kind of hard to say where it actually falls into the grand scheme of all the episodes. Is it British Andy? No, it was about the avian flu. And I oh, just right. saw this article and we're talking about this is why all the chicken and poultry and egg prices are so high right now is the avian flu. Well, I found this article to kind of give everybody an update and another side of it on Reuters. It came out January 21st, 2023. It's by Leah Douglas and it is titled High Egg Prices Should Be Investigated, says U.S. Farm Groups. Yeah. The Federal Trade Commission should examine high egg prices for signs of price gouging from top egg companies, a farm group said, as Americans continue to pay more than ever for the household staple. U.S. regulators, farmers, and industry have often argued in recent years about the power of top agricultural firms to set prices and drive up what consumers pay for groceries, such as when the price of beef skyrocketed in 2021. The latest concern is eggs, the price of which was up 138% in December from a year prior to 4.25 a dozen, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The U.S. Department of Agriculture, USDA, has pointed to a record outbreak of avian flu as a reason for the high prices. But the nation's antitrust regulator should also examine record high profits at the top egg companies, said Farm Action on Thursday in a letter to FTC Chair Lena Khan. CalMain Foods, which controls 20% of the retail egg market, reported quarterly sales up 110% and gross profits up more than 600% over the same quarter in the prior fiscal year, according to a late December filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission. So these companies that are saying like egg prices are so high because of this, they're making record profits. Yeah. So it's very convenient. That's nice. Whereas like it should just be eggs cost more because there's less of them, not because the company is making more profit. Yeah. And then you don't see their profits go up. Yeah. The company pointed to a decrease in egg supply nationwide due to avian flu driving up prices as a reason for its record sales. The company has had no positive avian flu tests on any of its farms. The U.S. egg production was about 5% lower in October compared to last year, and egg inventories were down 29% in December compared to the beginning of the year, the latest USDA data shows. A significant drop, but one that may not explain record high prices, said Basil Musherbosh, an attorney with Farm Action. That is quite the name. We want the FTC to dig in and see if consumers are being price gouged, said Musherbosh. The FTC declined to comment. In a statement, Calmain said that the higher production costs, along with avian flu, were contributing to higher prices. An egg marketing group said in a statement that egg prices reflect a variety of factors and that wholesale egg prices are beginning to fall. Nearly 58 million chickens and turkeys have been killed by avian flu or to control the spread of the virus since the beginning of 2022. Mostly in March and April, according to the USDA. Previous largest outbreak in 2015 killed 50.5 million birds. Calmain shares have fallen in recent weeks after climbing almost 50% last year. So that's the article. I just wanted to give another view on why egg prices are so high, because a lot of the times when you see these explanations, someone has behind the scenes kind of paid for that explanation to happen or markets themselves in the media. So nobody really wants to talk about the bad things they're doing. Yeah, you got to wonder about with inflation and everything going up as well and how much of it is companies raising their prices to make more of a profit, knowing that inflation is knowing they have an right excuse, now as well. Exactly. Yeah. You can just say, oh, inflation, another 10%. Yeah. yeah. That's, I'm not sure how far that avian flu one is back now, but good. Yeah. And we'll keep you posted if there's anything else that we need to on that one. But I think that's a good place to end that and start the episode. 
the unexplained to the mundane, why don't you come join us on our journey to the fringe? Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, where sometimes the kernel of fringe that we explore come on the macabre. We are your clearly clever and hilarious hosts, Taylor and Chelsea, who just made you exhale slightly heavier out of your nose, whether it be due to humor or cringe. Anyhow, enough about me. Let's talk about fringe and fringe we shall. Chelsea has quite the topic for us. I like to think that that pun's involved in this one, but if it's not, oh, well, I just need to get that pun out there. Yeah. And I shall turn it (laughs) over to you. Okay. The topic this week I thought would be an interesting subject because I don't know much about Mother Shipton either. And I thought it would be fun to find out more about her because I hear her name every so often. And every time I hear it, I'm like, hmm, that's something I should probably look into one day. And today's the day. I looked into it and now I'm going to share it with everybody. So Mother Shipton, a.k.a. Ursula Southale, like the bad octopus in The Little Mermaid, right? She was an octopus, right? I think so. That makes the most sense. Yeah, but it, because it's half human, half octopus, it's a mertipus, right? Because mer stands mm, for no. half human, half whatever comes next. What I thought the maid. I thought the maid part was the human because like humans are maids. Oh, mermaid. So yeah. Octomaid. Octomaid. No, that doesn't sound as good as mermaid. I thought she was like an octowitch. Yeah. Octowitch. I don't like octa in front of it, but okay. That's not what the episode's about today. (laughs) Oh, man. So why are we talking about Mother Shipton other than what I just said? That I wanted to look into her and bring you guys along for the journey. Other reasons include because she was a prophetess, a soothsayer, which nobody ever really uses that word anymore, and was sometimes described as a witch. Also like Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Right, she was a witch, yeah. Or just a bad guy. An octowitch, yeah. Yeah, yeah she, okay. she cast, like, spells and curses. Or octopus spells. And traded stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, like, I don't know, a sea genie? Because, like, she, like, gave you what you wanted. Oh, yeah, a genie? I can see it. Yeah. But, see? like, with a twist? Yeah, it just, none of those seem to suit the situation correctly. We we digress again. Mother Shipton lived in the time of Henry VIII of England and predicted his victory over France in 1513 in the Battle of the Spurs. I've also never heard of that. <laughs> She also predicted the dissolution of the monasteries. This is a long time ago, people. This led to the redistribution of the wealth and land held by the monasteries to the emerging middle class and the existing noble families. See how much we're learning already? It's like a history class. And I'm teaching it. That's fucked. (laughs) It is true. It is said that she foretold the fates of several rulers within and just after her lifetime, as well as the invention of iron ships, the Great Fire of London in 1666, and the defeat of the Spanish Armada. By the way, I just looked it up really quick. She was, in fact, a sea witch. Okay. Which just completely, completely disregards the fact that she has tentacles. Yeah, it does. So I I don't know what to think of that. There has to be a better word for it. I'll think of it. It'll come to me in the middle of the night when I can't sleep. Yeah. So that's what Mother Shipton in a nutshell predicted. Now, this isn't a true debate, but just a debate within myself as I was going through this. Actually, it probably is a debate amongst 
people who look into Mother Shipton as to where the predictions came from. There are sources that say Mother Shipton didn't write any of her predictions down. There are others that say she kept a diary and others that say the poems came from scrolls that were found that she wrote. All in all, many legends and prophecies accredited to her were created after her death to enhance the folk legend that she had become. Her legend was passed on through oral traditions in one of the many variations I read and is perhaps sometimes embellished a bit. Since 1641, there have been more than 50 different editions of books about her and her prophecies. And keep in mind, she's back in the day of 1513. No, even before that, 1513. I'll tell you in a, in a minute here. That's a pretty exact date to get wrong. <laughs> You could have just said the 1500s. She's, uh, we'll get to the exact dates coming up here. So just bear with me here. I will get to it. The earliest sources of the legends of the Mother Shipton were published starting in 1641-ish by a woman named Joanne Walker who heard the story as a young girl and transcribed it as Mother Shipton spoke of her life. There's a huge gap between her death and any written records of her for about like 100 years or so. And that's less time than Jesus, so at least there's that. There's also Samuel Pepys, recorded in his diaries in 1666, whilst surveying the damage to London caused by the London Fire. While in the company of the royal family, he heard them discuss the prophecy of the event told by Mother Shipton. With that being said, she may have shown up in a letter written by King Henry VIII in 1537. So while Catholic people were rebelling against the dissolution of Catholic monasteries, Henry VIII wrote a letter to the Duke of Norfolk where he refers to the Witch of York, which is strongly believed that this letter is the earliest reference to the real Mother Shipton, who would have been prophesying about Henry VIII at this time. And there would only be one witch in York. I mean, when that just seems, are arguing, that seems like a low amount of witches for the time. It, it really does, because it seemed like they were running rampant at the time. Yeah. It's it's probably more for the yaysayers of Mother Shipton, saying that it's more than likely her. For reasons unknown, she's a very mysterious kind of person, as we'll get into. So this is a, a lot about her prophecies. We will get into a lot more about her prophecies. That's just kind of setting up who she is. Why are we talking about her? Why do we want to know about her? So let's just talk about her origin story. Mother Shipton was born 1488, so I was off by a little bit. Eh, not that bad, though. She'd be like 30 Yeah, yeah. Around the time, so she was 25? Al- she was alive at the specific year I just yeah. said. In 1488, she was born to 15-year-old Agatha Suthale in a cave in North Yorkshire outside of the town Knaresborough and died in 1561 at about 72 or 73. So she lived quite a long life for this time. These hundred-year-later peeps that are writing about Mother Shipton after she had died for a while say that she was born during a violent thunderstorm and was deformed and ugly, born with a hunchback and bulging eyes. So just very ugly baby. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Upon being born, she did not cry. She cackled. And I mean, (laughs) (laughs) what what baby doesn't? And the storm ceased and the smell of sulfur filled the air. So that's the origin story. 
And it is said that her mother, Agatha, having been a poor and desolate 15-year-old orphan, had no means to support herself, had fallen under the influences of the devil, and engaged in an affair resulting in the baby Mother Shipton, which they refer to. Okay, it's it's just kidding. Not more likely that she may have like worked at a brothel because that's the only thing that she would be able to do. No, it was the devil, for sure. Okay. Okay. That's the only... I mean, because that's what people 178 years later are telling us. (laughs) Makes sense. Exactly. It was the devil. There's no other options, you'll see. (laughs) Other variations include that Agatha was a witch who summoned the devil to conceive a child, which is still very common to this day. Not the option Taylor just said, for sure, because Mother Shipton's different and was fathered by the devil. Well, absent fathered by the devil. The devil was never evolved in her life. No, no, he was just the um, genetic. Yeah, just the genetic part. (laughs) Didn't actually father. Yeah, no. (laughs) I don't know if I'd expect the devil to stick around. There's actually a series on Disney Plus right now. What's it called? (laughs) About this. And it's literally... Yeah, like pretty much the situation where it's it's written by Dan Harmon. Okay. And he also did Rick and Morty. And it's basically, and Danny DeVito's in it. He plays the devil. And it's about the hell spawn of Satan who's living on Earth, who was fathered by a single mother. And she just like came of age and he's trying to parent her now. This isn't Little Nicky we're talking about, is it? No, it's not. It's called Little, what is it called? <laughs> it's still called Little Something though. I think it is. Okay, I have to look this up just because it's bugging me right now. Yeah, it's bothering me also that you don't know the name of it. Little Demon, yeah. Okay, Mother Shipton story. Yeah, more or less, but like (laughs) modern day. (laughs) I'll have to look into that. Okay, so whichever option it was, Agatha for real would never disclose who the father was. In those times, that also meant that the two were ostracized from society, and they lived in the same cave Ursula was born in for the first couple years of Ursula's life. This cave is now known as Mother Shipton's Cave to this day, and the cave where she once lived, Mother Shipton's Cave, is one of England's oldest tourist attractions, and for hundreds of years, people have trekked to see the cave where she is born. It's actually quite a cool cave. Well, I would hope if somebody's living there. <laughs> I don't think anyone lives there anymore. Oh, good. This cave is referred to as a petrifying well, and its water has mineral content so high, anything placed in a pool will slowly be covered in layers of stone. Tourists place items in the pool to later return and see it turn to stone. Like how later? That's hard to say. Like, is it a bathroom break, or is it like you gotta, like, I couldn't imagine long if it was tourists. Like, why would you want to go back 10 years later? Oh, that would be the marketing gimmick. Oh, for true. the town true. like you gotta come back you gotta come see if that thing turns that's to stone. information i don't have unfortunately we <laughs> if anyone yeah. goes please tell us how long to wait until you have to go back because i'm not even gonna google that <laughs> yeah, it's just it's too boring to <laughs> it's actually a, know the answer a mystery <laughs> someone report back After two years of living in the cave, the abbot of Beverly intervened and removed them from the cave, being the devil child and the mother, securing the place of Agatha in the covenant of the Order of St. Bridget in Nottinghamshire, and Ursula in a foster family in Knaresborough, and they never saw each other again. So that's sad. It is likely Ursula had a large crooked nose and suffered from a hunchback and crooked legs. This is synonymous with Mother Shipton, that she was just so ugly. 
The physical differences acted as a visual reminder of the secretive events of her birth and the townspeople never forgot about that. She found acceptance with her foster family and a few friends, but Ursula was ultimately ostracized from the larger portion of people in town. Weird and unexplained things were also said to have happened around her. Apparently, when she was a toddler, she was found cackling in her foster mother's kitchen alone with pots and pans. Loved to cackle. Big fan of cackling. Babies like cackling. Yeah, they they do. do. Not sure why not every baby is accused of being a devil child, but this one's special. It's a special cackle. Another much-talked-about incident, including the time a parish meeting was disrupted when she played tricks on the local men who had been mocking her through the window. She found sanctuary in the woods from all the ridicule like her mother and had spent most of her childhood learning of plants and herbs and the medicinal properties of them and became quite a renowned herbalist in the town where that expanded her circle. Being a herbalist, people like that about her. This expanding of circles led her to meeting Tobias Shipton. There's some foreshadowing for you. (laughs) Not really, but you see where this is going. <laughs> a carpenter from We're York. so good at this. I know. Foreshadowing is my jam. It's our forte. Yeah. It's right up there with English pronunciations. Yeah. Tobias was a carpenter from York, and when she was 24, it is said that she had placed him under a spell in order for him to marry her. A month after their marriage, Ursula helped out a neighbor who had had some items of clothing stolen from her home. The following day, a woman walking through the town singing, I stole my neighbor's smock and coat, I am a thief, before handing it over to Shipton and leaving with the curtsy. So there's that. Really weird interaction. I'm not sure if anyone else thought it was weird at the time. So, the, and, and just so that we are clear, we're still talking. This is all written down like over 100 years after, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It, everything is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure on that. Yeah, it's like the Bible. Anyhow, Tobias died only a few years after they were married, before they had any kids. So, no kids here. The grief of losing her husband and the harsh words of the town prompted Ursula Shipton to move into the woods. And she moved to the same cave she had been born in, for peace. Here she continued to create potions and herbal remedies for people. I'm not sure why, because... She seems way too nice for how everybody's treating her, yeah. (laughs) You guys are assholes, but here... Fuck you guys, I'm just gonna keep making you stuff in the woods. This is gonna cure your ales. I'd probably be making poison. Fuck you. (laughs) I spit in it. Here you go, it still works. (laughs) Mother Shipton's name slowly became more and more well-known, and people would travel far distances to see her and receive potions and spells. I wonder if she knew that people were also traveling to see the cave. Maybe they weren't traveling to see her and get her spells. (laughs) They dropped a penny in and they just saw, oh, hey, somebody's selling some potions here. Yeah. Guess I need to pass the time, however <laughs> much it is, while I wait for however this thing to solidify. Gibson yeah. <laughs> exhibited prophetic and psychic abilities from an early age and ended up writing her prophecies somehow. As her popularity grew, she grew bolder and revealed she could see the future. She started by making small prophecies involving her town and the people within, and as her prophecies came true, she began telling prophecies of the monarchy and the future of the world. So wait, these people, she still has a relationship with the people in town in this story, yet they tell her she has to live in this cave. Well, and she's still they nice. didn't tell her to live in the cave. She just kind of retreated back to the cave. 
Okay, because they were treating her like shit. Okay. But yeah, but it seems like the whole town really didn't like her and wasn't very nice to her. Okay. And you get the feeling when reading the stories, it's because she's so ugly. And also because she was fathered by the devil. Yeah, but they don't find that out for like another 150 years. That's true. That's true. She had no father, so they also didn't like that, whether it was the devil or not. But yeah, we'll see, as with most stories we tell on this podcast, there are a lot of contradictions going on in her story. Probably a lot of the problem is that <laughs> nothing was written down, and all the stories come 100 years later. So yeah, that- well, how could you? Like, I looked it up. The literacy rate in England at the time was about 11%, and they count it literate to be able to sign your name. Really? Oh, shit. Yeah. That is not so- good. Yeah. I am doing great by those standards, though. So there's that I have going for me. I have perfect grammar by 15th century English standards. So it's it's weird. You'll find that's a good fact to have because there, there's a lot of contradictions and it's weird. Even for if she it, was it writing seems, these things down, it would be like she would have had to be a genius, I guess. It's Yeah, it seems really unlikely that somebody born in a cave to a 15-year-old mother who likely wasn't well off yeah. would be literate. Yeah. Like, that just seems really unlikely. Yeah, so, no, there, it's full of contradictions. I mean, but maybe it just genetically came from her dad. Who knows? It could have. It really is. Especially if it was the devil. I've heard that he has yeah. a pretty high IQ. Yeah. And he's constantly doing math. Yeah. And like writing those I've contracts. Heard that about the devil. So. Yeah, he is. He needs to stay sharp. Shipton eventually became known as Mother Shipton because of all the people she helped, what with the forest flowers and mushrooms and predictions. She was really on top of her game helping people while everyone was just really busy, by all accounts, being assholes to her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, the mother predictor made her well-known around England. But by the way, everyone goes on about it. You would think it was because she was ugly and deformed. So, at this point, she's living quite the it, remarkable life. I'm surprised there's not, like, she wasn't inspired by, like, the Brothers Grimm or something like that to have a story about her. They're in Germany. Yeah. So, they, they, they probably wouldn't have heard, heard about her. Yeah. Fun fact to add right here, because this seems as good as time as any. For anyone that may have been to this place or now wants to add it to their bucking list, for what reason, I'm not sure. You may want to, though. She is associated with the Rollright Stones of Oxfordshire, which are old ruins, and a complex of Neolithic and Bronze Age megalithic monuments near the village of Long Compton on the borders of Oxfordshire and Warwickshire. Oh, those are cool stones. Yeah, they are. And uh, they're pretty old. And reportedly a king and his men transformed to stone after failing Mother Shipton's test. It was a math test. See, so always be doing math. Both proves sanity and keeps you decalcified. Yeah, exactly. Almost exactly. I find it interesting I chose to put that in that space in my notes because there is another space that I talk about stuff like this. So Okay, it's of creative interpretation. Yeah, so I'm just going to leave that there. Here we are. That's where it lies. Let's get into some prophecies of Mother Shipton. Of course, with an asterisk of some of these may or may not have been predicted. Because if 
and as we've been going through, and you'll remember, her prophecies were apparently recorded in a series of diaries that n no one's seen the diaries. It is more than likely that she actually didn't write shit down. So that's probably the most accurate one. So now I do have to admit that while I'm quite confused about how the poems came to be, because on one hand there's a diary no one has seen, and on the other hand it's generally accepted that there isn't any record of anything being written down relating to Mother Shipton until like 80 to 100 years after she died. But I'm not here to pass judgment at this point in the podcast. I'm just here to provide you with some beautiful prophetic poetry and let you know I'm a little confused as to what's going on with Mother Shipton's records. There probably isn't any, is what I'm going with. So, let's start with one of Shipton's first local predictions, which would have contributed to her increasing in popularity in the local community as a fortune teller and prediction maker. Quote, Before Oose Bridge and Trinity Church meet, what is built in the day shall fall in the night, till the highest stone in the church be the lowest stone of the bridge. So, let's break it down. Let's unpack her quote, her poetry. Not long after Mother Shipton uttered this prophecy did a huge storm fall on York. During the storm, the steeple of the top of Trinity Church fell and a portion of the Oose Bridge was destroyed and swept away by the river. Later, when making repairs to the bridge, pieces that had previously been the steeple of the church were used as the foundation of the new section of the bridge, effectively making Trinity Church and the Oose Bridge what was built in the day and fell in the night. And the steeple from Trinity Church, the highest stone, be the foundation of the bridge, the lowest stone of the bridge. It came true. By all accounts of what I'm reading to you right here, it's true. And she predicted. So the event happened. The <laughs> statement nobody knows. The poetry, maybe. <laughs> the event did happen, yes. When she predicted it, who's to say, really? Next one. <laughs> A print. I at least like that they said she said it. Like she didn't write that one down. Yeah. So it actually, it, it clears at least the eye test of what she might have been able to do. Yeah. Now, here's the, the thing that I also have issue with. Like, why is this in poetry? Like, I know a lot of this exists on local legend and people retelling the stories and everything. Maybe poetry sticks in people's mind more because it rhymes. It's like a song you get stuck in your head, maybe. Yeah, that's what Nostradamus was all about. Yeah. With the mysticism and, like, the poems. And you would think that maybe I would look up the times he was making predictions. When is he from? I think he's 100 years before that. Almost. Like 1400s? His were written down. 1503 to 15... Oh, no, it's exactly this time. It's the same yeah. time. But he wrote it down, so he must have been a genius. So it might have been just the style at the time to put prophecies into poetry. But if she can't write, which we make, you make a good point. She probably was illiterate. I would be very curious to see, maybe just do an episode on rhyming prophets. It's true. People also ask when they're looking up Nostradamus. Does Nostradamus marry? <laughs> my, <laughs> what a question. My favorite thing is popular Google because people are fucking idiots. <laughs> they Google the most fucked up things. Okay. They sure do. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> okay. Next prophecy. You may have heard this one. This one I've heard as well, and I never associated it to Mother Shipton, but she's the one that said it? Question mark? A prince that never shall be born shall make the shaved heads forlorn. 
This one is said to be about Edward VI, commonly believed to be born by C-section, and the shaved heads forlorn is a reference to making England into a more Protestant nation. There are, okay. yeah, so there's... I, I don't know enough about the history of those religions to really... No, I don't... Shed light on that. No, there's... Uh, <laughs> this history is something that is... Uh, most history is... I'm not a history buff at all. So let's just believe Mother Shipton's predictions, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's what... We just need to find somebody who's really obscure in a culture that not many people know. Yeah. And just say, yeah, they said this. Yeah. And they're like, did it come true? Yeah. Are you going to look into it? No. 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 There you go. And so we're all learning history here. You learned it here on Journey to the Fringe as you learn most of your knowledge. That's a true statement. <laughs> That's why we have such smart listeners. It wasn't an opener. That is why we have such smart openers. No, not openers. Listeners. Listeners. And openers. No, yeah. One's a byproduct of the other. <laughs> the openers are very good. There are also a lot of predictions about Henry VIII, who was very popular at the time, I hear, because of all of these predictions that I've read. So, the first one is, When the cow doth ride the bull, then, priest, beware the skull, and when the lower shrubs do fall, the great trees quickly follow shall. The mitred peacock's lofty cry shall to his master be a guide, and one great court to pass shall bring what was never done by any king. Poor shall grieve to see the day, and who did feast must fast and pray. Eight so decreed their overthrow, riches brought pride, and pride brought woe. When the cow doth ride the bull, then priest beware the skull. So, often when Mother Shipton would have visions of specific people, she wouldn't see faces or names, but their family heraldry. The cow mentioned represents the heraldry of Henry VIII, and the bull similarly represents Anne Boylan. Mother Shipton is making the beginning of her prophecy to the marriage of King Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn. Once they are wed, the priests need to beware. This is because their marriage marks the beginning of the dissolution of the monasteries. Apparently that's a huge thing. Where King Henry VIII... Yeah, that's, that one is. Yeah. That's because he wasn't allowed to legally divorce Anne Boleyn, despite because oh. uh, he wanted to divorce her because he didn't get a son from mm. her. And the Catholic Church said, nope, you can't divorce her. And he said, well, I'm making my own church then. <laughs> and he started the Church of England. Ah, right. So he demobilized all monasteries, priories, and covenants in England, which is... It, Taylor did know the history. Many priests, he lied. <laughs> Apparently, I did know it. <laughs> I never really think of the Church of England as Protestant, but I do know that part. <laughs> <laughs> Both religious and secular lost their lives for pressing against the laws made to limit the Catholic Church's power. Another quote, the miltered peacock's loft shall cry to his master be a guide. That was actually from the quote that I just read there. To go into that, in the late 15th century and early 16th century England, King Henry VIII was not the controlling force behind all policies and matters of state. The man who was in control of matters of the state was King's chief advisor Thomas Wolsey. Wolsey was the son of a butcher who rose up and became chancellor and then a cardinal in the Catholic Church. He was the King's chief advisor and a controlling figure in all matters of the state and Henry VIII's policies. Wolsey was even often depicted as an altar wreck what? <laughs> Another king. Kind of like T-Rex, but alter. 
and meaning king. Oh, yeah. Rex means king in Latin. Oh. Regina means queen. That's why if you look at court documents, usually it says RV. The R stands for Rex or Regina, oh. depending on who's in power. Look at yeah. all the stuff we're learning here. I'm telling. You're, you guys are learning. Yeah. <laughs> because his influence was so absolute in both political and religious spheres. In her prophecy, Mother Shipton refers to him as a mitered peacock, as he came from the lowly state of being the son of a butcher to controlling and guiding King Henry VIII in all his policies for England. So then we move on to, and one great court to pass shall bring what was never done by any king. This portion of the prophecy refers to King Henry VIII seizing power from the Catholic Church and his creation of the Church of England, which had never been done by any king before. And then, the poor shall grieve to see the day, and who did feast must fast and pray. Eight so decreed, their overthrow, riches brought pride, and pride brought woe. King Henry VIII wanted to take control of all the land and property owned by the monasteries in order to enrich himself. He did this by forcing the monasteries to surrender all their property, and then he dissolved or abolished the monasteries and expelled the monks. The poor were ultimately the ones that suffered because the monasteries had been the source of most charity and fed and gave alms to the poor. With the monasteries all abolished, all the former funds used for charity went into the king's treasury instead of being used to help the poor. I mean, I, they're giving a very lax description of how the church used its money. Yeah, I mean... Like, all the money just went to charity? Yeah, that's not how the church has ever worked. Yeah, but <laughs> of course they do. Mother Shipton then says this fall of the church was inevitable. As the church became more wealthy, they became more prideful. Their lack of humility... But they gave it all to charity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> their lack of humility had ultimately led to their downfall. And there's no poem for this, I'm sorry. Other than the one I just read. It wasn't pride that led to their downfall. It was the fact they wouldn't let the king divorce. Yeah. Because he had no religious grounds. So if nothing, Mother Shipton's poem has just opened up this nice little dialogue for us to learn about King Henry VIII and a little bit of 15th century England history for us to chew on for a little bit, which is nice. Who doesn't like that every so often? This is the first time in my life, to be honest, that I'm talking about this. I'm pretty sure about that. So then, there is also King, uh, no, not King. I just ad-libbed that right there. There's also Elizabeth's <laughs> first reformation. Quote, a maiden queen shall reign anon. The papal power shall bear no sway. Rome's creed shall hence be swept away. That one's straightforward. Yeah, it's straightforward. Then there's the broken ships of the Spanish Armada off the English and Irish coast. Quote, the Western monarch's wooden horses shall be destroyed by Drake's forces. You'll notice I said Mother Shipton didn't name names in her quotes, and this one specifically names a historical figure. So this one might be a made-up prediction by a biographer. A little red flag on that one. And it made it into the prediction portion, so... <laughs> He cannot be held accountable. Then there is Mary, Queen of Scots, execution. Quote, a widowed queen in England shall be headless seen. Straightforward again. Very straightforward on that one. Then the punishment of Essex for his rebellion. Quote, an earl without a head be found. Lots of predictions about people being beheaded. And the ascension of the Scottish King James the Sixth to the throne of Westminster. 
quote, soon after shall the English rose, unto a male her place dispose. And then there's the Great Fire of London in 1666, Mother Shipton having supposedly claimed that, quote, it comes against London, what a good city this was, none of the world comparable to it, and now there's scare a house left. That one has a different feel to it as well. That one's really straightforward. It is really straightforward. It's almost like someone completely different wrote that one. Or... <laughs> On a game of telephone, you know how telephone works. They just got a person who completely misunderstood yeah, but, at the end. but they wouldn't because <laughs> telephones didn't exist. Yeah. Oh, I guess they couldn't play so that game. Yeah, it, it can't happen. That. Yeah. That's the closest we know it to, though. <laughs> so then there are the end times predictions. Of course, you can't be a witch predictor soothsayer without end time predictions, obviously. This one is probably one of the most notable by Shipton. Tell me if you've ever heard this. You might not have. The world to end shall come in 1881. That's from Mother Shipton. I have not, Let's no. talk about it. You'll notice this one is not in 16th century English. Someone dropped the ball. No, it's incredibly straightforward. Yeah, perhaps a... <laughs> I don't feel like there's any allegories going yeah, on. Yeah, none at all. This version was not published until 1862. And more than a decade later, its true author, Charles Hinley, admitted in print that he had created the manuscript. This fictional prophecy was published over the years with different dates and in or about several countries. The booklet, The Life and Prophecies of Ursula Sonthale, better known as Mother Shipton, predicted the world would end in 1991. Also in the late 70s. 1881? 1991. Okay, so this is a different prediction. Then. No, it's just somebody that made up in the first place and it just kept moving moving yeah okay. it just kept moving with the times that's how they go yeah. yeah and in the late 70s many news articles were published about mother shipton and her prophecy that the world would end in 1981 so they all rhyme and end in one so yeah they're all fairly symmetrical choices yeah 1881 1991 1981 those are the options and none of them happened <laughs> Other well-known lines from Hindley's fictional version, often quoted as if they were original, are A carriage without a horse shall go, disaster fill the world with woe. These are fairly straightforward. In water, iron then shall float, as easy as a wooden boat. To summarize, Mother Shipton did not predict any end times from those quotes. There is a biographer as well that admitted to making stuff up about her life as well. Some scholars have argued that she is complete fiction and that many of her prophecies were composed by others after her death. There are those, however, that argue that she was in some way an actual person embellished through local in some yeah, way in some way okay. embellished through local tradition in a folk legend, which I mean that happens. I, mm -hmm. I probably think it's that more than anything. Or, I mean, the, she's born in a cave. I mean, that is the things of local legend. And there is at least one clue earlier than the 17th century, which indicates that the prophetess may be based in more than pure invention. In 1537, as Catholic rebels in Yorkshire rebelled against Henry VIII, which we talked about, uh, I, one of the first things I talked about, and his dissolution of the monasteries, the asiled king wrote a letter to the Duke of Norfolk in which he disdainfully refers to the Witch of York. They do really believe that this is referencing the real Mother Shipton. 
You do bring up a good point. There probably were a lot of people accusing others of being witches around the time. So I would also wonder because it is with regards to like talking about religious groups, if it's a way of kind of backhandedly speaking about your enemies. Yes. Like the witch there, which would be just like, that's the Catholic yeah. group. I, I, not having seen the actual letter, Ye I can't tell yeah. you if there's uh, other interpretations of how witches yeah. used. Especially when I'm reading this all in regards to Mother Shipton, you know, there's always the confirmation bias where you're making, using it to make your point that it is about the real Mother Shipton. And that's what Mother Shipton people say that they think it is more than likely about the real Mother Shipton. So... There's also the part that predictions made to come true are sometimes used as a form of propaganda by governments or other institutions by means of saying, oh, look, this was predicted by Mother Shipton and it's come true. So people are just more apt to accept what's happening to them. So by making up these predictions, people are like more easily able to accept things that are happening because it was prophesized about. With all that being said, Mother Shipton has a rather large legacy in England. She accumulated considerable folklore, if you can't tell. Her name became associated with many tragic events and strange goings-ons, according in the UK, North America, and Australia throughout the 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries. Many fortune tellers used her effigy and statue, presumably for the purpose of association marketing. Many pubs were named after her. Only two survive, one near her birthplace in Nairsboro and the other in Portsmouth, where there is a life-size statue above the door. Or either in a cave. No, but there is the mother in cave where she was born in. Okay. I do also like to think that her persona lives on and how like the physical look of witches on TV and movies oh, carries that's on very with like true. hunchback. There's actually and, uh, physical deformities. You're very right. There's actually nothing in that, but it's very true. And I'm going to post hopefully some pictures on the socials. And it is very much stereotypical with. That's kind of where it comes yeah. from in my mind. Because like, outside that of that, I not that I've done much research into yeah. it, but I don't think like the idea of witches being deformed comes from anything. It, I wouldn't think so. Not with that time frame. That makes complete sense. A caricature of Mother Shipton was used in early pantomimes and is believed by historians to be the forerunner of the Panto Dame, whatever that means. <laughs> she, I don't have time to look into everything. I don't know what I'm talking about. On this I know. I, and we have such <laughs> curious minds. We see the questions we had and say I'm too lazy. I can't just gloss over that, I have to tell you. She also has a moth named after her. The Mother Shipton moth seemingly bears a profile of a hag's head on each wing. Very special to have a moth named after you. A fundraising campaign was started in 2013 to raise 35,000 pounds to erect a statue of Mother Shipton in Narsborough. Completed in August 2017, the statue sits on a bench in the town's market square close to the statue of John Metcalf. Who knows who that is? An 18th century road engineer known as Blind Jack. There you go. It was in there. Lucky me. Let's also not forget Mother Shipton's cave. There's also a statue in her cave. So if you really wanted to go around York, you can make a whole day of visiting all the Mother Shipton things. Which might be fun, but that's Mother Shipton and her legacy. Speechless, I know. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I finally done it. <laughs> I always like when we end an episode off with 
by the way, this person might not actually have ever existed. Yeah. So. As happens fairly often. There's a good chance they didn't yeah, exist. Yeah, as happens fairly often when I go, you know what? I'm finally going to do it. I'm going to look into this for a topic because I've heard so much about this person, but it's just been like here and there. I don't know much. And then I look into it and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> that left me rather disappointed. That's kind of underwhelming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I learned a lot of history about England, which is just like a few sporadic random history facts that won't really stick in my head or give me any actual knowledge of anything. And then I was left kind of unfulfilled. But I couldn't not tell the story because what if somebody else out there wanted to know about Mother Shipton and they rely on us for this information. And now I've done my due diligence i guess yeah and we did cover it and they say i guess it's just a definitely interesting person that yeah, existed that I'll move the, on to with the fringe life. won't even touch shame on them yeah because it's too <laughs> interesting <laughs> well shit <laughs> journey to the fringe where we damper down expectations <laughs> interesting or not we will cover it and we will make it uninteresting <laughs> Took us so long to get to that yeah. mission statement. It really did. Almost over a hundred episodes. Yeah. So that's where we're leaving that. Until next time. Yeah. And and I do I am curious, now that we have talked about it and we might touch it again in the future, about that whole rhyming thing. Yeah. Was that just like how you made things sound more like official or mystics? And why did that come about? Yeah, I guess we'll have to <laughs> leave that for another episode unless we need to yeah. fill this and you want to hear us talk about what we No, think. we got lots of time. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can end it here. Um, Chelsea, thank you very much for Mother Shipton. The original Jeez. mother. What, what a story, yeah. yes. The original mother. That's what she is known for. <laughs> Anyhow, I have been Taylor here with Chelsea. We are Journey to the Fringe. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you Bye. next week. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review, as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes, or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. Uh